This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Thursdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up, and I tell you what, man, uh, excited to talk uh, all things Big Red today. Numbers to dial up, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Find and follow us on Twitter. And uh, can do so, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Some emails to get to, some thoughts here on Fordham. Uh, have you seen much Twitter on, on New York City? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you can't avoid it. National news and what is happening in New York City with, uh, with Ida dumping buckets and buckets and, and feet of rain. So the, the Fordham Rams are, are escaping New York to, to get to Lincoln. I know uh, we'll hear from Scott Frost in a, in a little bit here, his, po- his post-Thursday media session, some comments and thoughts from Frosty. So we'll get to those. We'll, we'll dive into to Saturday, what Saturday is. And we've, we've talked about this a lot over the years and over the coaching changes. And that is th- there's always an opportunity after a – confounding loss to, to have a get-well game. And it's not always worked out, right? Uh, you look back to, to early in Frost's tenure, the, the, the tough loss at home uh, against Colorado. What happens? You lose to a, to a G5 school the, the following week. And then uh, 2018, you, you go six games before finally breaking through against uh, Bethune, Bethune-Cookman and then Minnesota. So, you know, that's what Saturday is, is is a get-well game. And whenever I'm feeling crummy, I either need two things. One, uh, some of mom's homemade chicken noodle. Or two, a, a run to my fi- favorite Chinese joint to get some hot and sour soup, right? So we'll see uh, what flavor Saturday is for Nebraska. Uh, confidence has got to be an issue. You can coach up. You can talk. You can work. You can correct. You can film study. You can get more physical and take out all the anger and fury uh, during some live sessions during the week. But when push comes to shove, uh, Buffalo is going to be a stiffer opponent in a week. And then you have the roadie to Norman and then Sparty. So it's one game at a time with a lunch, with a bunch of people in line waiting to, to take uh, several shots to your face. So let's see what Saturday shows for Nebraska. And ultimately, it's about cleanliness, right? Do you look better coach do you make a jump from week one to week two with penalties decision making and just flat out uh execution so we'll get into all of that some uh football some pro football focus stats that are very cringe worthy but not permanent 
with the offensive line. In about 15 minutes, we'll dive in with Brandon Vogel from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Hour two, it's a Barney Thursday. Gary Barnett with us. He has called a lot of ball games. He's coached a lot of ball games. We're, I believe, at the 25 or 26-year anniversary of taking the uh, purple to Pasadena. That got kicked off with a pretty uh, memorable upset win against Notre Dame on the road, 17-15, oh, so many years ago. Uh, we'll get Coach Barnett's eye on what exactly the hell's going on with Nebraska's offense. We've been trying to answer why all week or for several seasons. We'll try and get a, a why out of him. Our favorite Viking and Charger and Bill, Jeremiah Searles, coming up at 525. And then Burke's best bets, Danny Burke, will check in with us. He'll give us his take on Ohio State, Minnesota tonight. That line at 13 and a half. Indiana goes to Iowa City. And, uh, of course, you have Penn State and Wisconsin. You have the numbers to get in. Elijah, what's shaking with you? Got to be feeling good. You're 24 hours away from calling football, brother. I mean, uh, just trying to make it through this week, trying to make it to a Nebraska game this Saturday. Uh, definitely getting back in the rhythm of uh, my, my final semester of college, getting back into that rhythm a You've little bit. You've got a really but, good senior schedule, it sounds like. Yeah, the, the senioritis like, isn't even affecting me because it's, uh, I have two classes that are actually on campus, so I just have like one class a day that I, I go roll up to and go sit in there for an hour and roll back home. It's not too bad. My homework load has been pretty nice. Uh, all in all, yeah, no, uh, I'm just looking forward to getting graduated in December. Get graduated. So questions that were out there last week who was going to be nebraska's starting running back how many carries what was the wide receiver rotation going to look like did you see a different new slash better adrian martinez no no and no right uh those questions weren't fully answered with nebraska football against uh, a division opponent well you can get some question ans- questions answered on, on Saturday here with just steady improvement. Let's dive into a little bit here from, from Scott Frost, specifically offensive line consistency, right? That, uh, that C word that you all crave on the football field when you watch Nebraska consistency, and it's not existed. It just, it just hasn't, uh, at least through one game this year, through the COVID-2020 and you saw the ups and downs, the self-inflicted wounds of, of 2019. So it's been an accumulation here. But when we talk Saturday and we talk offensive line, that is where it starts. That is where it ends. It's always been the case with Nebraska football. It needs to be the case moving forward in a positive sense with the Big Red as there's bigger and better opponents on the horizon. It's got to be that offensive line that makes the difference. Are they going to be able to, to make a jump? We would think so on Saturday against Fordham. But again, it's more of a buildup and then a payoff, quite honestly, as this season gets more and more difficult. You can lose and learn, but you've got to learn. You've got to learn and be better. Here is Frost on, on what that offensive line needs to bring on Saturday. Just, I want to see consistency up front. Uh, when you watch the tape from Saturday, there's a bunch of plays where f- four guys got it right and one guy didn't, and that hurt us. Uh, so it's got to be a little more consistent. I think playing together and, and having everybody healthy is going to help with that. So you, you had Turner Corcoran that, that got the majority of snaps 
and you had Brant Banks go in, and, and you know, we'll talk to Searles about this here in an hour with offensive line play specifically if you're getting thrown in there. You can get coached up all you, you want, but ultimately it's still different when it's live bullets and specifically some of Illinois' edge guys. So it was it was tough for, for Banks, but I don't think that's going to be his uh, his tombstone, so to speak. I think his upside's nice. But here's the reality with Nebraska football and against Illinois. You had 23 pressures by the Illini, the Illini defense. <laughs> 23 pressures, 44 dropbacks. Why? Well, uh, A, you were dropping back 44 times because you were down by as many as 21 points, but your patience level didn't exist. The uh, The production didn't exist with what you wanted to do in the run game, and you have that combination. It was bad, and then it got worse with just flat out what Adrian endured. Why was Adrian off? Well, Adrian was off because he was probably worried about seven, you know, a front seven at his feet every throw. Why was Adrian not stepping into the row? Well, because he's probably going to get his ass kicked. And he did get hit a lot. I mean, when we talk about dropbacks, that's hit, that's hurry, that's sack. They had five sacks, okay? They they pressured him or hit him or sacked him. I mean, that that's insane. You go back 44 times, 23 pressures. 26 overall, excuse me, 26 out of 44 dropbacks. He was hit, he was sacked, or he was hurried. And you know what? Illinois probably got some NFL guys, uh, but it's not like it's, it's Von, you know, all due respect, but it's not Von Miller off the edge. It's not Sue, right? I mean, it's guys that everyone else in the West is going to line up and run against, okay? And, and you didn't or couldn't do that. Um, you had Ben Hart, who I thought played the best. I mean, there was... There was some 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 nice work by Ben Hart at the right tackle spot. Uh, he allowed four hurries. And listen, I can't I can't sniff what those guys are. So this is not uh, short fat asthma guy piling on six nine offensive linemen. This is just what what this is what the grades were. Okay, and I think they can completely get better. Uh, Corker in six hurries allowed one one quarterback hit. Piper allowed three sacks. I think Ethan's a hell of a ball player, but a, a tough day for him. Allowed one hit, allowed one hurry, so that's that's not good. Sichterman, one sack, one hurry, one hit. Banks uh, Banks was in for four plays, and I think there was uh, two hurries in a, in, a, in a hit. So that's three out of four when he was in. As well as a holding call, I believe. And, and, and a holding call. Now, uh, Cam Juergens didn't allow any pressures at all in uh, in in uh, in 47 plays so that that was good there was a kind of a, a bs hold on him but you had illinois conversely five dropbacks they were pressured uh, five drop when they dropped out, out of 23 dropbacks there was uh, three husker sacks and five pressures there was probably about eight or nine hits on on the quarterbacks so it it faded as the game went on but Illinois was pretty content to just run. I mean, you only had 15 pass attempts by uh, by Sitkowski. So uh, there, there's your difference here. There's your difference with getting impatient, uh, abandoning the, the game plan to try and run, and then just you hear Coach McBride talk about it all the time, being one-dimensional. Well, they're pinning their ears back and coming after you. Uh, it's bad. I, I hope to see against other opponents more pocket mobility options with Adrian. Okay, are you going to ask him to be a seven to five, five to seven step drop back quarterback in the shotgun? 
I don't know if that's the answer. Uh, I, I think giving him a quick read or two reads, right? Having him stand in the pocket. We saw a little bit of that last year as well. You got to be better. You got to be protecting him. It's it's obvious, and and he'll he'll be better as a thrower if he feels clean and comfortable and confident. And if he's getting whacked every play or every other play, that's not the answer. So the answer to me, again, amateur quarterback nerd here, move him around, lose his mobility, do some run pass option, do some waggles, get him out of the pocket, and. Just make make it easier on him. If you're going to ask him to be your offense, which is what what turned what it turned into on Saturday, get some dudes that can take the top off, get him in the game, right, and let let it, let it be simplified. If you, if you can throw a hitch route to Omar Manning and he can stiff arm some punk and go down the sideline for an extra twelve yards, then get him in there. Uh, let's see. Let's find out ways to get. Toure more more targets or your tight end for God's sake Austin Allen up the seam right and and then you've got bets so you're just letting gather dust and it's figure it out figure it out on offense with your rotation figure it out with your run game and figure it out with your communication because I think a lot of that was uh, a lot of the, the in game inline stunts where Nebraska didn't pick up the right guy. And, and there were just some instances, too, where the interior, you have backups at guard, okay? You have Banda. You have Hickson. So, in all due respect, if, if two of your guards that did start and played a lot of snaps gave up four sacks on the interior, the big dudes in the middle are supposed to take up and eat up blocks so your edge guys can go kill the quarterback. If your interior's given up four of, of the five sacks, that isn't good. It's okay to go to the bullpen. And, and you know what? If, if Bando gets a longer look this weekend, great. If Hickson gets a longer look at, at right tackle, there's no Epinesa playing this weekend, right? I mean, and, and, you know, and that was a tough, tough duty. Okay, tough duty for Hickson against Iowa a couple of years ago where Epinesa, who's playing for New England now, uh, just fed all day. That was a tough matchup. That was going to be a tough matchup for most guards. Okay, where they just where they just moved Epinesa around. And hey, even Brendan Hymas, who's playing for the Chargers, had some bad reps against yes, Epinesa. Yes, it's going to happen with a great defensive lineman like that. So uh, that that's my takeaway here. Uh, Banks uh, allowed, again, two hurries one, uh, and one hit. So your interior, not named Cam Jurgens, got to be better. Yeah, and what I saw in that game was a lot of it wasn't even these offensive linemen just getting beat off the ball. It wasn't the, the there's a few bull rushes where they got mauled, and that's what I'm saying. It was a lot of Illinois keeping their pass rush lanes, which that's I mean that's high school football stuff of maintain your pass Don't rush lanes to get loose. Yeah, whenever you uh, you got that mobile quarterback, just collapse the pocket on him. You don't have to worry about getting off your blocks. Just put your offensive guard right up in his grill. Put your offensive tackle right in his grill. Uh, don't let him go anywhere, and uh, don't give him room to step into the throw. That's what I saw. Was It was a lot of an offensive guard right in Adrian's grill, and he's got to throw off that back foot because he's scared about, you know, have, you've seen those uh, those players, uh, the quarterbacks, even in the NFL, where on their follow-through on the throw, they'll hit the uh, their offensive the guard on the helmet, and they'll break their finger. They'll break their hand, and boom, you're out for the game uh so i saw a lot of that of just illinois collapsing the pocket uh not even necessarily getting off their blocks but just planting that offensive lineman across them right on top of adrian martinez and saying here try to make a throw with this six foot eight 300 pound dude uh two inches in front of your quarterback you know the other thing here moving forward offensively i mean adrian ended up carrying it 17 times probably six to eight designed runs 
The rest were scrambles or oblique moments. I'm being chased. I need to get out of it. Let's see some more zone read. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's see some some let's see some zone read where that can help your offensive line because you've got uh, you, you've got your your paper or plastic choice, right? You go to the grocery store, give me the paper, give me the plastic. Let 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 Adrian read it with whoever's running the football, and 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 have a dual threat running game, not just from your quarterback, but from your from your back, and make the defense wait a counter two there and either collapse, crash down, or or have to play the outside. Uh, let's see if 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 you're going to have to win with your quarterback run game, because your O line just is what it is, and and they can get better. They can get better Saturday. They can get better against Buffalo. We'll see where they're at against Norman and beyond. But maybe you just got to go all in with two running, and and make zone read a, a reality. Versus, I, like to, I like to see quarterback draw too. That'd be all right. Uh, yes, the quarterback draw bingo card time. Brandon Vogel's next. And we're back. Fellas, did we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Emails on the way. We say hi to uh, the managing editor for Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. He's an author with a national champion many times over, John Cook. Dream Like a Champion is a book you need to get, especially for rainy Thursdays. Brandon Vogel with this had Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, let's talk comfort food because that's what Fordham will be, theoretically, for Nebraska. What's your go-to comfort food, sir? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I do, you know, weeknight need something quick. I do enjoy making uh, a nice pan of enchiladas. Uh, get a little cooler. <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, beef stew rakes up there. Get a particular, like, uh, let's throw everything in a pot here and, and see what happens. So that might be one, two for me. Okay, that is that is a great call. Beef stew is fantastic, and you're a from-scratch guy, so it in the old tin can, rip it off, and let's destroy the sodium numbers for the week. Okay, good work. Uh, what about soup? Chicken soup or hot and sour soup? Oh, probably chicken. Uh, in fact, I don't know if I've ever made hot and sour soup, but I definitely like it. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll let others make that for me. Uh, we'll, we'll pick that track. <laughs> Good answer. So, okay, let's let's spend a second on last Saturday. How did Junior take it? <laughs> uh, better than, than most people who are watching Nebraska, I, I guess. Uh, you know, there's some benefits to Four months old, uh, he was easily distracted. Uh, the rest of us, I think, had a lot of things we couldn't unsee, um, which you know <laughs> isn't uh, with the way Nebraska has been recently. This goes back, you know, multiple coaching staffs. It's it's sort of been the story for for the Huskers, um, and here he it again, which is is hard to see right out of the gate. You know, you spend all off season thinking, well. If this can be different, and that can be different, and not a whole lot looked different, but it definitely was surprising. If the little guy can take anything away from Saturday, I think it's plant your heels at the ten on a punt and don't move back. Yeah, that was that was a nice teachable moment for him. I was waiting till to tell him to put your put your heels on the ten and and you don't go back, you only go forward. But 
it was just here's here's a perfect example, uh, Max, of why you don't reach me to uh, receive a punt. <laughs> good good answer, and and he, uh, I'm sure he nodded his head and said, "Dad, yeah, you're you're wise. You're wise with football." So we tried to figure out why. Can you give me a why? I know there was a, a stat you retweeted earlier today on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel when it comes to what Nebraska has actually done production-wise and why their record's the way it is. And special teams and turnovers are, are the killer for Nebraska. Uh, they're a killer in close games. But I want to go back to offense. Why, Vogues, why, why does it look like it looks like? Do you have a, do you have a reason, a guess, a theory? Or is it okay to, it's okay to say I don't know, too? Yeah, I think offensively, I think they just they have to to work work too hard for for what they get, and and they get a fair amount. You know, you mentioned that that tweet, which was from um, Sports Source Analytics, and it's not the profile of a team that's won a third of its games. It's you know, it's not the profile of a team that's you know won two thirds of its games either. But they, they've earned more than they've gotten so far in in the wins column. And, you know, offensively, that starts with, with field position. You know, Nebraska's average field position last week, expected points-wise, was only worth 19 points. That happens too often. It's an offense that stays on schedule pretty well. But last Saturday was kind of a tale of, you know, gains and losses, literally, where you're just like, okay, yeah, you're on schedule maybe two-thirds of the time, but when you fall off, it might be second and 26. And it's just, they put themselves through so much just to get down in scoring territory, and I think that impacts, too, that when you do get there, you know, you're not quite putting touchdowns on the board as often as you'd think for a team that gains as much yardage as Nebraska does. That's so true, and case in point, wide open throw, end zone, airmailed, right? Or third and two, guys open for a seven-yard gain. Uh, let's hang on for a half account longer to try and go deep and strip sack fumble and uh, momentum uh, interest compounded between the penalty that goes for a touchdown and then the scoop and score that goes for a touchdown and bang. Uh, that's part of the the Illini party that scores twenty eight unanswered. Yeah, I mean those those are those are great examples. So the the, the missed touchdown, you get a field goal out of that. That's that's four points off the board. You know, t- technically turnovers were even in this game, um, but the one that Illinois got led directly to seven. I mean, you can look at a turnover every time as about five points. That's about what it averages out as. So you lose you lose the turnover battle by two in a game, and that's you probably put, cost yourself ten points. You know between what you lost in the drive ending and what the opponent gained on average. And I mean, that's that's one looking at those you know three years plus one game number. Like the turnovers are a big piece of it, um, and I don't know what you do about that beyond trying to be a little bit more cautious. I mean, they're just going to happen at certain points, but the special teams part of it, the, the kind of hidden yardage, quote-unquote, that's something you should be able to fix just by kind of recognizing that it's a problem. 
Brandon Vogels with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, when you're looking at this argument, uh, Derek Peterson had a, a great story, and I know you're into numbers. This story was heavy on the numbers, uh, where he discussed how many yards per play Nebraska was getting on offense. And when Nebraska wins the yards per play battle against their opponent, they're 9-11. and 11. Uh, And when you compare that to uh, an average college football team, the the, uh, the rest of the country wins at an 80% clip whenever they win the yards per play battle. Um it's it's one of those oddities that it's hard to explain. But can can you explain it aside from turnovers and shooting yourself in the foot? I mean, it just seems like Nebraska is one of the best teams in the country at doing that. Yeah, and there's you know, Derek did a good job of identifying yards per play. But there's like there's like five or six of those all over the place where you're like, oh, you know, you'd expect the average team to win x amount and nebraska's at y i mean i think it does go back a little bit you know particularly with with yards you know when you're starting every drive with six yards more to go than your opponent has to like it starts to add up pretty quickly and and you know and that's one where it's so your field position is tough at the beginning um you do that over 33 games that we've seen with this staff now and yeah, you can out-yard your opponent. And if you, you get some more big plays, which, you know, Nebraska, I still don't think is at where it wants to be, though it wasn't bad against Illinois. Um, but you're doing that in a conference that isn't as big play as, say, the AAC. Um, that kind of adds up to you. So fewer plays, you've got four yards to go. It's a little bit of a recipe for well, you've got to have a high yards per play just to even be in a lot of those games. You hit for 43, you hit for 33, you hit for 75. I mean, those are three explosive plays. Now, your non-quarterback long run of the day was 11. They, I think they just panicked with the, the run game commitment. That said, the O-line had a bad day. Bugs, are you concerned about the offensive line, or do you do you look for them to... To, uh, not quite 180, but at least make uh, make ample improvement here by Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely not 180. It may look like a 180 this week, um, but but yeah, I do. I, Saturday was concerning on that front. You know, I thought this was a pretty high ceiling group. Still could be. Um, you know, it's it, it is after all just just one game, but. With the way that they struggled and, you know, to, to some degree, how often they had the opportunity to run block, well, not even to some degree, to most degree, is, is not up to them. So there's there's that piece of it, but they just never really kind of got on the same page and adjusted to, to a lot of the, the stunts and twists that Illinois was doing in the pass rush. And it, it, looked, it looked rough. It looked really rough. Does it sound rough based on what you've heard this week coming out of camp between uh, same page with the offense? I mean, I, I thought Lubick was pretty straightforward, and it was a little different than, than Monday from Coach Frost. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, I think it, it, it was just surprising to me as we've all kind of digested that game. And, you know, in some cases gone back and watched it again of how easily Nebraska got pushed off of, of that run game, you know? So, okay. The, the front's different. Like we understand that that's like, you know, it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's out there to whatever degree. Um, 
that doesn't mean, you know, if you've, you know, really honed your execution and, and you like your talent on the offensive line in the backfield, that you can't find a way to do it, of course. So that was the, the surprising bit. And I, I do think this is an offense that wants to run the football. I think that's their potential identity. I think it's their best potential to have a strong identity. Uh, but on Saturday, you know, it, they got away from it quick, which seemed like kind of the the grave error, uh, at least in my view. Brandon, you mentioned the fact that considering the opponent, you think the offense is going to look a little bit better this week. Do you think there's any winning margin or winning score that will leave Husker fans going, you know what, maybe last week was an overreaction. Maybe maybe things are all right this season. Probably not this week. It's It's one of those where... If you're impressive, that's kind of the expectation. So, you know, you could win by four or five touchdowns and it will just be like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. It's it's the tough part with, with games like this. Um, there's there's not a ton, I think, Nebraska could show, not a ton of upside on that front. But given, you know, how this program has struggled in the recent past with consistency and just doing that, um, you know, at least seeing that would be a little bit of a, a soothing feeling going into, you know, a regular G5 opponent the following week. Bogues, 20 seconds. You got the boat rowers or the Buckeyes tonight? I know it's, well, uh, you want both to lose. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually really intrigued in that game. That's one that I looked at uh, in the offseason quite a bit. I like Minnesota to cover. I think uh, I think Ohio State will end up coming out on top. Just too much talent at wide receiver. Bogues, we'll be back at you Saturday morning with the weekend edition. Thanks for the time today. Thank you. There he is, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine author with John Cook. Dream like a champion. Uh, we'll get to some emails, more thoughts on uh, the big red at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. We'll get a little bit more into Adrian Martinez as his uh, fourth year moves forward and, you know, expectations in Nebraska Saturday, but expectations of number two moving forward. And uh, when we chalk up uh, last Saturday, him or them, and uh, that's my thought, not theirs. They're all one unit together, so we'll see if they can work together and uh, be more of a, a crisp offense. A reminder about our friends from Aero Brokerage. They help power our road trip to Champaign. They'll be sending us to Norman. And Aero Brokerage, a fully serviced real estate brokerage, and they're operated by local real estate investors. And they specialize uh, when it comes to investment with real estate. And uh, they've got a small and mighty team that is driven to help uh, Uh, All sorts of clients when it comes to buying and selling, staging and investing, and much more. And uh, be sure to uh, uh, stop by and and find out more about uh, Aero Brokerage. And uh, I tell you what, with Aero Brokerage, you have uh, Jenny Limbach uh, and uh, Marcus Schmidt, two realtors you can contact for information. Uh, Email with uh, Aero is brokerage at aerolincoln.com. The website, aerolincoln.com backslash brokerage. And when it comes to social accounts, uh, Facebook is at aerolnk and Instagram is at aero underscore Lincoln. 
866-377-6466-376-800-825-5865. And email is where we're going to head. Joe, a big-time Nebraska football fan, and uh, he is out of North Carolina. And uh, thanks, Joe, for listening on the stream ESPN Lincoln or of course, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, he uh, went to, to pin quite a bit, and it's Joe's thoughts here. Uh, I guess I had the, the fortune, misfortune to get addicted to Nebraska football in the 90s and have patiently waited for a return to the promised land all these last 20 years been wandering in the wilderness it looks like we are in for another loop around the wilderness again this year uh to his point here you and elijah were discussing why we aren't seeing any improvement i'm gonna have to say it all eyes at the feet of scott frost after initially being excited by the hire i started feeling uneasy the first and second year when i noticed that he had a real tendency to make excuses and deflect blame from himself. I know sometimes he'll say that he and the coaches need to get better, but uh, that admission is always accompanied by a reason. He's not really to blame. The first year, it was the prior staff. The second year, it was the lack of talent. The third year, it was both lack of talent and fixing the culture in COVID. Though it all, through it all, there's been a consistent refrain that they just have to fix a few small mistakes and they'll be good. After Illinois, I think it's obvious that these are not small, easily fixable mistakes. If uh, they were, it would have already been fixed. It's Scott, who uh, relies exclusively on Martinez, who goes away from the run at the first sign of difficulty. It's Scott, who keeps the best players on the sideline and plays a host of obviously inadequate receivers that are walk-ons. It's Scott, who refuses to bench players when they make the same mistake over and over. I'll never stop watching the Huskers, and I will always be suckered in by the new preseason hype train. But this season, but if this season ends the way it started, I think it's obvious that Scott's not the answer. This program doesn't need a star coach or a splash hire. It needs a boring but competent headman like Indiana or Iowa. Too soon, despite your frustration, to go in the next coach direction. In my humble opinion, I think it's too soon to do that. Now, there's a body of work that can frustrate the hell out of you, totally get you, and from an accountability standpoint, point the thumb, not the finger. There has been a long and laundry list of excuses versus ownership from time to time. Now, there's been instances, too, where Scott will own up, but too many times you just don't hear. You get an answer, but it's not necessarily the right answer. And, and I'm I'm wondering, moving forward here, how things play out. Do the staff get on the same page together? They're supposed to be, right? And I'll say this. I think... When it comes to Lubick, and I think it comes to Greg Austin, I think they're both peas in a pod when it comes to what they want to do. I think they want to run the football. I think they want to get downhill. I think they want to play smash-mouth football, right? I think a problem is the running back rotation, and I think a problem is just flat-out trust from your head coach and your play caller. And, and let's get into that for two seconds. Your joy in football has been being a very bright, right-on-the-money offensive mind. 
when we go to, to Oregon, when we go to Central Florida. And he had some great play calls despite having to throw half the playbook out against Illinois. Okay, I mean, he, he had some great play calls that worked. And then when you try and go to a, a run game, it, it just wasn't there. And then, and then you panic. What has worked, if anything, most consistently with this offense? And it, let, let's, let's be real. It's, in the grand scheme of things, it's not worked. But when there's been some success on offense, when you've scored some points and you've had some big plays, it's been your quarterback. It's been Adrian hitting a big pass. It's been Adrian running the football. That's what's been good, aside from a few Mills runs over the years or a Zigbo. Okay, so that's that's what you go back to. What has worked? What can what can we dial in on to to get some sort of success? And if you're if you're fifty fifty at best, which is what Adrian was throwing the football because of hits and sacks and hurries, or just seeing ghosts and making. A bad throw, which you're allowed to do, but you can't when you're trying to get seven instead of three. That's it. So I just don't know if Scott's going to really, truly delegate the play calling. The The word on the street was that, that you had more of Lubick's influence uh, last year with the Rutgers game and the Purdue game. Those are two of your better offensive outputs. And you have Lubick earlier this week, and I'm not I'm not trying to stir up drama here. This is not joyous to say. Well, the coach said one thing, and then here's the assistant, and, and the coach said half the playbook had to get tossed. Okay, that that is still stung and stuck with a lot of us for the last week. But midweek, your your offensive co- your, your titled offensive coordinator, your wide receivers coach is saying, no, there was enough to do well. It was an execution thing. Totally true. That part of that execution is also figuring out a way to coach up guys that are difference makers and getting them on the field. And that is a a kid like Betts, okay? That is a kid like Omar. And that's no disrespect to the kids that have been more consistent in practice, but your job is to get the kids that haven't been as consistent in practice to be – consistent enough where you feel good that they'll go make plays, know the playbook. But when it comes to flat-out ability, you can turn a simple hitch or a crossing route with a Nixon and his speed or an Alante Brown instead of a 7- a, a to 12-yard gain, that, that bastard can be taken to the house. And there's your big play. There's your offense. There's your passing game that, hell, may open up your run game. So we'll see if... Everyone kumbaya and huddled up, and you can get a, a sound game plan the next two weeks. We'll wind down hour one. It's Hail Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Hour two, shortly. We'll check in with Gary Barnett, the former coach at Colorado, Northwestern Hall of Fame coach. We'll get his thoughts on Nebraska offense, Nebraska's quarterback play, and Oh, Barney loves to pick. A lot of football to talk this weekend. Former Husker standout and uh, longtime NFLer Jeremiah Searles in Hour 2. And Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. A reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year 
in Nebraska involving an impaired driver, driving drunk, buzzed, or high, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We're not far away from the NFL. Uh, Elijah, how are your donks going to be this year? Uh, That's well, a great. Don't ask me. I think the talent that the Broncos have, especially defensively, is enough uh, to get. The, I'm not to beat the Chiefs by any means in the, in the AFC West, but it's enough. Can you to, catch it's, Vegas. It's it's enough to get them a, a wild card spot, and I think the the decision to start Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback makes a lot of sense when you look at what Denver has on defense. A chance to be the best secondary when you look at the pass rush they have with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and the guys they have on the back end now adding Patrick Sertan through the draft. Uh, I think that defense has a chance to be one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense to to give a guy like Bridgewater uh, the chance or the nod to start at quarterback just because he's uh, he's been around. He's an experienced guy. He can lead that offense. I, I think that offense just needs to put up somewhere in the 24 to 28 point range per game and I think you should be doing enough if you can put up 24 to 28 points every single game that should be enough to get you to I would say nine and seven but I guess I should say nine and eight now with that extra game uh, which should be enough to at least be in the wild card hunt that's what I'm expecting from Denver this season injuries are always fickle you never know what's going to happen with those but I think this this Denver team finally has enough talent and a quarterback that could lead him to a wild card berth well and running game O-line your defense is money but uh, Teddy's Teddy's a good thrower. And, I mean, look at the options he's got to throw it to. When you look at Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler is a, a poor man's Tyreek Hill when you look at how he can take the top off a of defense. I'm not calling him Tyreek Hill by any means, but poor man's. Uh, where I, I think they have the weapons to compete and win some games, just a question of uh, is Teddy Bridgewater good enough? He, I mean, he, he wasn't good enough in Carolina despite good weapons around him. So the question is, is can he step his game up with the, the, the weapons around him? Well, let's look at the quarterbacks in the division. Right, you got Herbie. That uh, you're looking for an encore from him. Uh, Carr in Vegas. You got Mahomes. And then there's Teddy. Oh, you have you have probably the, the worst starting quarterback in the division. I. It's it's between him and Derek Carr. Yeah, it is. Derek Carr is very hit or miss. Justin Herbert. Uh, Mina Kimes had a great write up on ESPN.com today about Justin Herbert and the type of guy he is. Made me a fan instantly. Reading well, that. the the old grocery card trick. Right? <laughs> it's pretty good. This out of the Big Twelve uh, expansion being considered per sources. Top candidates to join the Big Twelve: BYU don't play on Sunday. Uh, Central Florida, Cincy, Houston. That'd be all right. All those teams are teams I think that you know, floated around. They make sense. You had a chance five years ago to add them. Coulda. You were too uh, too big. And I'm sure there was some uh, objection about Houston from your friends in Baylor at, and at TCU. Now it's about survival. So come on down, Dana Holgerson. Come on down, Luke Fickle. Come on down, Gus. Uh, Gary Barnett next on Hale Varsity Radio.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to an hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska lottery chris schmidt elijah herbal and uh, we welcome in the hall of fame coach at colorado and northwestern we say hi to gary barnett coach how'd you hit him today uh i hit too many of them today chris so uh you know i lost 10 bucks that's a bad day for me man well there's always tomorrow right before northern colorado there is tomorrow well this day in 1995 northwestern goes into south bend the Irish favored by 28. I remember watching this. remember watching this after the Nebraska game. And uh, Northwestern uh, put it to the Irish, 17-15. Your message to the kids, don't carry me off. Let's, let's reflect for a moment. Okay. Well, you know, the, the, it was – we played them three years in a row. We were opening game now. Um, and, and frankly, I like doing that, Chris, because your your team, when you talk about how ready you got to be in spring football, I mean they're getting ready to play Notre Dame on national television, you know, next fall, first game. So you had their attention in the spring, you had their attention in uh, preseason camp, and um, I, we had a group of guys that were really hungry, and so we laid out a plan as to how we were going to do it, and we, we did it one day at a time, and we just focused on one day. Um, and the players bought into it. And so before we went out on the before, – before we left the locker room to go on the field, I, I just wanted them to know how much I believed in them and that uh, our coaches believed in them and that we were going to do this thing. And when we did, I didn't want them – acting goofy on the sidelines or on the field or carrying me off or some stuff like that. I said, let's just act like we've been there before. That's all I want. And so that's just pretty much what happened. And of course, when we got back in the locker room, we were goofy. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we weren't goofy on the field. And um, yeah, it was was just a, a magic moment for Northwestern, for all those players and for our coaches. And so it, uh, you know, you, you you know, you never get tired of thinking about it and talking about it. Do you remember the pregame handshake and postgame handshake with Coach Lou? I sure do. What was that sure. like? Well, it, it was very gracious. You know, both uh, Lou was gracious. Um, now he had he had a, committed a couple errors that we took advantage of um, by some um, miss spoken words that he used and he couldn't remember my name even though we'd played him three years in a row and about to play in fourth year he could not he he he, he called me leon burtnett and uh and then you know and all that stuff just you know you just put it away in the old uh mind and you bring it out when you need to bring it out and so but he was very gracious before and very gracious afterwards how do you get leon out of gary 
No, I don't know. Well, Leon had been the coach at Purdue, and uh, it was the Burnett Barnett deal. I think is is what it was. So okay. Now, okay. now, now coach. You proved that day that you can still win when you're a 28-point underdog, but how about a 40-and-a-half-point underdog? That's just impossible, right? Well, it's not likely, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's nobody betting on you. Uh, but if they do, they're going to make a lot of money if you win. But, uh, yeah, a 40-point underdog, that's that's tough. But, uh, shoot, we've all seen things like this happen. And Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we have. And you know what happens? If you don't respect your opponent, then you get a sloppy, messy game. And you might still win, but – the expectations of everybody in that stadium is that you're going to win by 40 uh, and uh, 40 or more. And so when you don't, then, you know, you, you just got, uh, first of all, every, a lot of people bet these days. Mm-hmm. And Coach McCartney taught me a long time ago, he said, you know, most of these people aren't mad that we lost. They're not mad. They're mad because they lost money uh, because we covered or we didn't cover or whatever. And so, uh, you know, it's pretty much true. But the the expectation level is so high for forty point victory, and when it doesn't happen, and and what are the chances of really doing it by forty points? Who knows? Uh, you know, we'll find out. But um, and so, more than likely, <laughs> there's going to be some unhappy people uh, if that doesn't happen. And that's just the way the way the game is. You know, I'd, I'd take scoring 40 versus covering 40. There you uh, go. That's Gar- the way to go about it. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, let's talk Nebraska, Illinois. What did you see? And we've been trying to figure out why. Why Why is it still like this for Nebraska? I mean, it's miscues, missteps. Adrian was a mess. Adrian was beaten on all game. There was no commitment to the run game because you couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. I mean, I... What's your diagnosis from from uh, your experience? What did you see Saturday? Well, um, the the fumble at the end of the first half was an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought. Uh, in fact, I was watching it and talking to somebody else who was watching it at the same time. I'm, and um, I just, I, I, in fact, it was it was uh, Bob Churchish, the okay. Nebraska quarterback, and I just said, you know. They're a they're a better team right now. They're playing they're playing well enough to win this game, and then I bet it wasn't two seconds later that the fumble occurred, and to me that just created a downward spiral that they couldn't get out of. And then they opened up with a with an eight and a half minute drive, and here you're just you're eager to get back out there, and that team holds on the ball for eight and a half and scores. Um, that's you've got to have a really strong-minded team to come back from that. And it it was a perfect storm, in my opinion, Chris. Uh, all the things that were happening, you know, you hoped and figured, and I'm sure Coach Frost said uh, many times that this is not going to affect our team, and, uh, you know, I don't expect it to. We don't think it will. Well, you know what? You, you never know. Mm-hmm. You just never know. And so um, th- that was part of it. Uh, you know the the atmosphere, the heat. Uh, that's distracting. You go into the atmosphere, and you got to. All the vibes are with the new coach and a guy who's been there, done that in a big, on a big field, and a big stage, and has done just about everything. So, um, and you got a very, very experienced football team on the other side as well. So, 
you know, all those things are working against you. And then if you don't play well, if you have some miscues, th- then those things just feel like they're, they're uh, you know, they're magnified. And, and you know, the defensive, uh, you know, the four four man front. And I've yeah, I've heard a lot of talk on this. I've heard talk radio guys going, "What do you mean you always prepare for for an even front and a nod front?" Well, yes, you do. There's no question. Especially most nickel defenses are are an even front, and you're always prepared for that. But sometimes they can play that defense a lot different than than uh, other people. Uh, and you know, just an example, Colorado. So we've we've gone from a three four to a four three, but we've gone for to a really hard penetrating defensive end system mm-hmm. that does that causes you um, to change a few of your blocking schemes. And uh, you know if you're not prepared for it, it's hard to get to it right away. Uh, I remember one night I was doing the Ohio State Virginia Tech game, and Virginia Tech. Tech came out in a five-man front that what is now called the Bear Package, mm-hmm. and all the years of coaching football against it, we always had a plan against it. But that plan was consisted of only about four plays, and uh, you know you had to recognize it and you had to get to it and you had to be willing to get to it. And it's hard to throw out a bunch of stuff you've planned and uh, feel like you're forced to run in the same plays over and over and over. But that defense forces it. So some of that could have been happening as well as as I read into all that. But I'll guarantee if if Scott knew what it was, he'd be fixing it. And so he's pulling his hair out as as well as all the fans are. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, it just feels like a bit of a disconnect on offense where, where Coach talked about having to, to toss half the play calling. You have the uh, coordinator, Lubick, and – you know, you've got the, the rest of the offense saying, no, we, we, we prepped, but it, it just didn't didn't seem like anyone was on the same page. You just kind of laid out the reality of being a coach and, and trying to adjust to something you're you're not uh, you're not used to or, or you have to adjust to. But overall, it just seems also what was your kind of rule of thumb when it came to to trying to settle on a running back rotation and also some guys that are just phenomenal athletes that. You want to see more from in practice, getting on the field, being part of the rotation, getting more playing time because they're better than, than some of the options physically more gifted than you have out there. How did you walk that line? Both of those items have been topics of discussion this week. Well, I think that if you've got someone that isn't producing and uh, and there's a reason that he's out there in the first place. You know, he's either been, um, you know, you could count on him more. He's been, um, you know, he's been good about everything he does, but maybe doesn't have that spectacular play-making ability. And then you've got a spectacular play-making ability guy who probably hasn't done everything right. You know, he's not detailed in practice. He doesn't maybe block as well as someone else does. And um, so you're, you're, you know, what you do, you you let the guy. You know, there's a point in time when the guy who does everything right but make the big play, you you've got to give the other kid a chance. Now it's it, it, there has to be enough time to where uh, you know everybody on the team feels like it's the right thing to do. Sure. You know, when you just start throwing guys out there 
that have for, haven't perhaps done the right things, haven't followed all the rules, et cetera, and are not consistent and maybe don't, uh, aren't detailed as, as the other guy that's out in front of him. You, you know, that, that can hurt your team as well. But there does come a time when you have got to make plays. And that's what this, that's what offense is about. It's making plays and defense and secondary making plays. And you got to have playmakers out there. And so there, there, there comes a time when you just have to make those changes. Uh, you know, whether you do it after this particular uh, scenario, I'm not sure. I think that that's just one of those things that the coaching staff has to decide. When it comes to just miscues, and you see, and, and that's that's plague Nebraska. It's been turnovers and penalties and miscues and special teams. You know, is that just taking it from Monday through through Thursday? If it's physically and mentally gotten better, but but you got to make it a Saturday deal. I mean, why, why are the mistakes still? Well, you know what, Chris? There are guys that are just mistake guys. Okay, and uh, you know, you you don't like to label anybody that way, especially one of your players, but. When it happens game in and game out, day in and day out, then you can't play the mistake guy, and you've got to get him off the field. And it's you got to get somebody else out there. I mean, the mistakes are worse than the lack of ability the guy behind him uh, may have. You know, it's it's the mistakes that kill you. And so it, the whole game's about eliminating mistakes. And um, you you can't play a mistake guy, and, you know. And you, you look at Adrian right now, and you you have to wonder if he's a mistake guy because it's just it's never gone away. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Coach. Going to do some rapid fire as we've got a full slate of college football this weekend. What do you think tonight? Ohio State, Minnesota minus thirteen and a half. Oh boy, I'll I'll tell you, I I got I got a. I got a I like Minnesota, and we're, we play them in two weeks. And uh, you know, I've looked at them already, but I think Ohio State um, has just got too much. And even though it's in Minnesota, so I I like the thirteen and a half. Okay, so you like the Buckeyes, uh, yep. Penn State at Wisconsin. The, uh, the the Badgers minus five and a half. Penn State uh, lost a lot. We'll see if Wisconsin can bounce back for another solid season. What do you think here? Well, every every uh, article I read and every publication I see thinks that Wisconsin is a, a, a possible playoff team. I, I don't know about that, but um, I do. I like Wisconsin to cover four and a half. Okay. Iowa hosting Indiana minus three Hawkeyes. Yeah, I saw that. You know, I, I'm going to go with Indiana on that. I just think that uh, you know, there's the transfers that they got to Indiana. They got into Indiana. A whole mess of people transferred that are good players, and you know, they, both of those coaches are excellent football coaches. You hate to see either one of them lose, but I think Indiana may be the team. You've seen Iowa though at home. They, they've stung some good teams at Kinnick. How, how tough a place is Kinnick to play? It's very tough. There's three places in the in in the Big Ten that uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Ohio State. They're just really difficult now. Yeah, I, you know, I, so it's a tough place, and um, you know those those uh, those folks get they get after it. You know, they've got a great <laughs> tradition there. So, Clemson, Georgia. Yeah, three points. I think is is uh, is the spread, and um, I think Clemson wins this game, but I think it's a low scoring game. LSU at UCLA minus two and a half. I don't know if UCLA's for real or not. I watched them 
and uh, uh, you just you don't you don't know if you can trust LSU coming back from last year, but I think I think LSU probably by three is it is about right. Bama covered the nineteen and a half against the U. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> that didn't take well. That didn't take long. Don't bet against Bama. Last thought: Notre Dame at Florida State minus seven. Uh, yeah, I think Notre Dame. I think I think Notre Dame is just a better football team Coach, right now. Have a great call tomorrow night. Enjoy uh, back to football. All right. Oh, I'm going to, Chris. I cannot wait. And good luck uh, with your 40-point spread on Saturday. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see if Mama will let, will loan me some, Coach. <laughs> Take okay. care. Talk to you later, guys. Bye bye. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. You know, I love Searles' sightings. Jeremiah Searles with his uh, standout Husker, our favorite uh, Buffalo Bill Viking Charger at Searles71 underscore HSKR on Twitter. Searles, you going to be a little bit cooler this weekend. How are you? No, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, looking at the forecast, it doesn't look like it's going to melt me to the turf like it did in Champagne. How was the Champagne room, man? You were roaming the sideline. I know it was a billion degrees. Uh, beer couldn't take that pain away on, on Saturday for a lot of Nebraska fans. But uh, first and foremost, how was it, man? How was the sideline? It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed myself. I really enjoyed being able to be down on the field again for a football game and be at that level and just being able to see things from high level that you can't really see from the fan side of just the way guys are coming in off the field, the flow of the game, like the real tempo of the game being down there. It was just really a lot of fun to be back and be a part of, and it's something I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year as well. Well, let's talk about the flow on offense, and uh, you've been in some – What some, flow? Well, right. Why? <laughs> okay, then, then why? Why no flow, man? What, what did you see with uh, those eyes that have done the offensive line for a while? You know, the biggest thing I saw was we were just our inability to stay on blocks at times really came to haunt us. And, I mean, the first play of the game, Smitty, if I'm being honest, we should have scored. I mean, really, if Banks and, and Piper can seal up their one double digit, their double team up to the linebacker, I mean, Gabe Irvin's first score, first handoff as a Husker might go for 80 and a touchdown because it'd be one-on-one with him in the backside safety. And that was kind of the tale, the, the tale of the tape throughout the whole game is there's always one or two guys or just one guy not being able to finish his block or not being in the right spot. And is to have an effective running game, you have to have all 11 guys on the same page. And I think that Frost and company really want to have a physical running game. And I think that we will have a physical running game, but we just got to clean up the one guy here or there. And don't get me wrong, everyone took their turn, including Adrian, including Austin Allen, including, I mean, everyone took their turn in not being the one that finishes the block to spring the touchdown. And I think that that's something we'll watch the tape on and understand the hidden yards that we had left out there on offense because there was a lot of them. Are you concerned about the running back rotation at all? Or do you feel like that can maybe continue to shake itself out after Saturday? You know, I I still think it's anyone's anyone's, uh, position to take. I thought that maybe we might see a guy – on Saturday, separate himself from the field. But the big surprise for me was we didn't even see Sevion Morrison. I mean, when the third back came in, obviously Gabe Urban got the start. You saw Marquis Stepp came in, got the first touchdown, and he kind of had some momentum rolling. Then he kind of just disappeared in the second half. Um, I know he missed a blitz pickup, which if you're a running back, that's a big thing because Austin Allen was wide open when he missed the corner blitz. 
But you kind of saw Ramir Johnson came in. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he provided a little bit of spark. And so, I mean, the, the job is still anyone's to take. It's now the question of who's going to step up and actually take it and be the top dog in that room because right now I really don't think there is one. Let's go to the offensive line. You mentioned uh, guys took turns, and you've been there. You've made a first start. I think it was against Von Miller. Uh, and <laughs> and it, it is what it is there, and, and you had a good night. And it, and it was it was a tough night, but – Let's go to, to Banks. Let's go to Hymas making his second start. Let's go to the interior that I think four of the five sacks came from or against both of Nebraska's guards. I know Ben Hart had a good day uh, when you look at the, the, the five. Same with Jurgens for the most part. But overall, uh, what's, what's left for this offensive line, I guess, concerns and then upside. Let's go there. Yeah, so I think I touched a little bit on the run game portion yep. of it. The one thing that I didn't see from this offensive line that it was a little disheartening was I want this offensive line to be able to make the coach right. So Scott coming out and saying that like the game plan was a little out the window and stuff, okay, I can understand that. But there comes a point when all five guys need to stand up and say, I don't care what the coach called. I don't care what defense they're in. We're just going to physically push them off the ball for two, three yards and let the running back make something happen. And I just didn't see that from them consistently on Saturday. There was times, but I want to consistently see them say, I don't care if it's odd, even black, green, polka dot, upside down. We're just going to physically beat you up up front and we're going to run the football. And until so we, we need to get to that aspect. Now, switching gears to the pass protection thing, we opened Pandora's box a little early in the season in that we got we struggled with the twist game. Uh, they ran a four-down front. They mugged the Mike linebacker, who was really good for them, Jake Hansen, right over the center, and they ran a bunch of twist games, and that's why you saw a lot of Martinez pressure and sacks came up the middle because it would be two guys pin, one guy comes around. One guy pins, one guy comes around. Or Jake Hansen would start on the right side, and then they'd have the D lineman pick the center, and the linebacker would squeeze to the opposite B-gap, and we just didn't pass them off. We always found ourselves either on different levels or we were getting ourselves picked, and that's something that's now on tape. The tape never lies. The tape tells all. And so teams are going to mimic that until we can get it stopped. And so it's only going to take one or two times of us picking it up and smashing the twister in the mouth and cleaning this clock. But until then, we're going to see twist games, especially as we get into Big Ten play, and I'll tell you this, Oklahoma twists a lot too. Uh, Searles, through fall camp, I think we've heard a lot about how good and like the upside of this offensive line. Do you think the struggles Saturday were a result of a lack of experience? Was it just uh, not having your head in the game? Where, where do you think those troubles came from? You know, I think it's a, a bit of growing pain. I think that people thought when you hear, man, we got a lot of upside for this offensive line, means that they're already there. Upside means that there's a lot of room for growth, but we got to grow through the growing pain. I mean, you look at it, we put two guys in the NFL that made 53-man rosters and got drafted in Farniak and Hymas. That's hard to replace, especially when you're talking about young guys. I mean, Turner Corcoran had a very small sample size against Rutgers last year. He looked good. He struggled at times. And then you also you got Ethan Piper. You got Mitch Schichterman, who, I mean, Piper got some playing time last year, but he was kind of rotating in and out, wasn't really the guy, kind of the guy. Now he's the guy. He's expected to play 60, 70 plays a game. I think that with young players come young growing planes. But like we said, the upside for potential is enormous. But now they just have to grow through those, fix the mistakes that they made, 
And now the biggest thing to look for, Schmitty and Elijah, is to stop the repeat errors. If it happened last week, it cannot happen again the next week. Searles, you hit on repeat errors, and there were a lot of repeat errors. Crushing penalty, big-time turnover, special teams blow up. And uh, why does that keep happening? you have an answer? you have a theory? You know, I don't have a theory. My one take on it this year is the way that I'm looking at it. As far as for fans and for us as media to look at it, it's really easy for us to say, oh, boy, here we go again. Right? We just press pause on the 2020 season, and we just press play on the 2021 season, and it looks exactly the same. I'm willing for the next couple weeks to be able to put a fresh set of eyes on this season and say, hey, this is a new team. This have new leadership. There's new players in key positions. I'm willing to give this team the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to fix these errors. And this was a true first game, jitter errors type game, even though they looked like last year. But they'll be able to fix it and move forward for it. Until this team shows me that they cannot do that, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can't. And I think that that's the way that we have to go forward, and that's the mindset they have to go forward because it's really easy for them to also fall into the trap of, oh, boy, here we go again. It's week one. we got 11 weeks of football left. Clean the airs up. Get tuned up here through the next two games. Walk into Norman and play a clean football game and don't shoot yourself in the foot, and who knows what could happen. Jeremiah Searles with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Searles71 underscore HSKR on Twitter. You hear him and see him with the Husker sideline reports with the network. Searles, last thought here with Adrian and some of his misses, his workload, and the fact on, on 44 dropbacks 26 times he was either hit, hurried, or sacked. What's a normal number? You want that to be single digits. Okay. If, he, if, he, if he, you have a quarterback that drops back 50 times, you want him to be obviously sacked zero, but you don't want you want him to not get hit more than 10 times. I mean, pressures are going to be pressures are going to happen. You're going to get out schemed. You're going to get hold of the ball. But the fact that he was pressured on almost 50 percent of his snaps really, really puts a hard time for me to look at him and be like, oh, Adrian didn't play well. First throw of the game, the dude gets molly whopped. He's on his back. That's you can't have that happen. The quarterback needs confidence that he can stand in the pocket and deliver the ball without getting killed. And until I mean, that's something that has to be an absolute 100% sense of urgency for these guys is that Adrian has to stay clean. How much did you guys move the pocket if there was uh, a matchup issue or there was penetration happening either with Tommy or Taylor? We move the pocket all the time. I think anytime you have a dual-threat quarterback, if you can get, especially with how wide the hashes are in college, I mean, if you're on the far left hash and you have a right-handed quarterback, roll him out there and give him a run-pass option or a pass-run option, I guess I would say. Obviously, you want to throw it first. Mm-hmm. You throw it first. But, I mean, even at worst-case scenario, the dude just continues to run to the sideline and he gets four or five yards before he runs out of bounds. I think that that's going to be put more in the playbook this year. or this next upcoming week Mm -hmm. because it is a way to get him outside the pocket and it's a way for him to protect himself too instead of always feeling so trapped inside the pocket there. A thought here on rotation. People are wondering where Mm -hmm. Omar and Betts are at. Uh, do 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 you think we'll see more opportunity for those guys you got some game breakers and i know that that then i don't disagree with lubick they've got to earn it but there's also uh, uh there's a gap in, in ability theoretically with uh with them versus some of the kids that, that are that are out there trying to get separation 
You know, I think it's a trust issue, Chris. You know, I think that when you're talking to Lubick and Frost say that you got to earn it, that means that they have to trust that when they put you out there, you're going to do the right things. And what I think happened is when we saw a new defense than we were practicing all week, they had to rely on guys that they knew they could trust to go out there and do it against whatever they saw, man, cover one, quarters, whatever it might be, versus maybe guys that aren't quite as there or quite developed enough to be able to understand, hey, the game plan fell apart. We need to trust you that you can go run something that we ran week two in camp, not this week against scout team. And until you can have that full trust both ways of coach, trust, player, player, trust, coach, you're just not going to see those guys on the field, especially when it's nut-cutting time and you need to make a play. You, you just you got to have guys out there that you can trust. Is the guy going to be in the right spot? Does he know what to do? Right? I mean, simple yeah, because as that. if he's not in the right spot, it's, it's catastrophe, right? You're mm-hmm. talking turnover. You're talking sacks. You're talking bad, bad stuff that can happen if you're not there where you're supposed to be. Miss a protection and get your quarterback killed, right? It's mm-hmm. all about trust all the way around. Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Husker, uh, and, of course, Charger, Viking, and uh, Buffalo Bill. And you find him with the Husker Network on the sidelines, and you follow him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Jay, we'll see you uh, on Saturday, brother. Thanks for the time. Great stuff, as always. Absolutely, guys. I'll see you Saturday. Go Big Red. There he is. Jeremiah Searles with us. We love Searles. Good stuff. Great takes uh, from the sideline. Uh, we'll get uh, some best bets right now. Danny Burke next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets, Daddy's Dimes. We say hi to the pride of Chicago. VEASAN Sports Network, Rush Hour, Daddy Burke Show. You follow him on Twitter at DaddyBurke5. Daddy, we visited your home state, and we left disappointed. Uh, Nothing in your control, my friend, but man, oh man, did you get hurt on Nebraska-Illinois last week? Oh, man, uh, that seems to be the pattern. You know, you come visit Danny and then you leave her because he just shows you a crappy time. No, look, that was a brutal effort all around. I mean, there's not much to say that hasn't already been said by every single Nebraska fan and just spectator in general. Uh, I, you know, threw a little bit on Nebraska to come out on top of the first half and just to be leading. And, you know, it looks fairly solid. You had the mishap with the safety, which was just utterly absurd in itself. And, then the missed extra point that I figured would come back to haunt me, but not was it only that. It was so many other things that just toppled over. And, yes, it was a terrible call, um, calling that interception back, and that certainly changed the momentum. But, look, you're at a point, Schmitty, in this Frost regime and in a game against a team like Illinois that that play shouldn't be the reason that everything just crumbles apart, right? You should be a veteran-laden defense that's able to figure it out. You should have a good enough offense at this point to figure it out. Martinez is missing wide open throws left and right, especially into the end zone. And I back this guy so much, and, and not adamantly to the point where I'm, you know, just hoisting him up, but enough to where I thought that he deserved to be the starter over McCaffrey and that I had faith in him, kind of hopefully resorting back to what we expected he would be his freshman year. And, Schmitty, I just don't think the kid has it. And I don't want to overreact too much. I don't. But, look, when it's week one against an Illinois team with a new coach, new squad, you got to make those throws. It just seems like nothing is going to change. Uh, to Adrian's defense, 
uh, with his dropbacks. Our friend uh, dropped back 44 times. He was pressured 26. So you want to talk about seeing ghosts? That didn't help. Now you got you got to hit those throws. Totally agree with you on that. Well, what's up with Fordham here? Is the line around 40? Can you even get a line with Nebraska? Yeah, I think I saw it around that number, but it wasn't posted for the longest time. And last I saw, I still don't think it was up, but uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Schmitty. There's no <laughs> reason for me to want to lay any number as close to that with Nebraska. I don't care if they're playing my high school team. I still don't have as much confidence <laughs> in Nebraska covering that number at this point. So I will respectfully stay away from that game. If anything, I would probably look doing an in-game angle with the total, seeing how this tempo is going. And honestly, look, I'm sure there's going to be a point where Nebraska starts off slow or does something poor to where you get a lot better line. So I think this game, from a betting perspective, screams patience, get the better number. So does the offensive play calling, my friend. Patience <laughs> and run game. Daddy Burke with us. Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, and his show Rush Hour, uh, over uh, 100 affiliates and on the Vizen Sports Network uh, and iTunes and, uh, of course, iHeartMedia at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. So let's dive into Saturday, and uh, we'll get to Ohio State, Minnesota tonight in a moment. But Iowa minus three against Indiana. Indiana, man. Uh, Penix is back. Penix is healthy. They were magic last year. Tough call to go into Iowa City week one and try and get a win. What do you feel about this? This game's really fascinating to me, Schmitty, and, and I really like it from a betting perspective considering you're getting Iowa at three in most spots. Now, if it was three in the hook, I'd probably opt out and stay away. And, yes, Indiana getting Michael Penix back, and they say he's 100%, but this guy's had three season-ending injuries while being at IU, and he's an electric quarterback. I'm not doubting that, and the defense could arguably be one of the best in the Big Ten with a lot of returning starters and a good offensive line, too. However, the issue for Indiana, aside from having to play week one on the road uh, at Kinnick against Iowa, is their run game. Are they going to have an improved run game? They averaged, I think, less than four yards per carry and only eclipsed 170 total rushing yards maybe once last season. Whereas you look at a team like Iowa, and this squad, I mean, they have Tyler Goodson, who's potentially hyped to be one of the most underrated running backs this year and could really just be an absolute beast. So, we know we can rely on Iowa in the trenches and them having consistent blocking and consistent uh, defensive success. But more importantly, again, I'm not saying I trust Petrus, but if there is a game for maybe him to thrive a little bit more so, it could be against this Indiana defense that was 10th worse than passing yards allowed per game in the Big Ten. But again, it comes down to Goodson, and I think that'll be the difference maker. And just having the home field advantage uh, behind them, and now that the line's at three, I think the only bet is Iowa, and that's who I'm rolling with. Danny, when you're looking Big Ten football, you're looking at the uh, the total on that game. I know a lot of people like to bet the under. Yeah, you know, I, I think that all comes down to what Indiana's offense is going to be. If they're going to implement the run game a little bit more so, then I certainly would gravitate for the under in that spot. But even more so, I probably would still lean in that direction. You've seen a total dip down a little bit. I'm a little bit hesitant in the sense that it's week one and some teams still could be working out some kinks. And we saw how sloppy the Nebraska-Illinois game was. And that's not to say that that wouldn't you know, give you more confidence for the under. But uh, these offenses you could probably trust a little bit more so. So I would lean to the under, but ultimately I'm going to be staying away and just playing the spread. 
Danny Burks with us, pride of Chicago. Burks best bets, Danny's dimes tonight. Ohio State, Minnesota, Buckeyes minus thirteen and a half. They're loaded but unproven. The uh, row the boat crew, returning quarterback, good receiving core, ferocity on the lines of scrimmage. Upset tonight. I don't know about upset, but I think we see Minnesota get close to covering this game, and that's the angle I would be looking at, if anything. Now, with the spread, Schmitty, at 13-and-a-half, I would not touch it because you could get 14, 14-and-a-half, but a lot of spots, or at least could have, prior to if the lines moved down there as of this point. What's fascinating about this game, too, is the unders actually gotten a little bit of love as well, and you would think that wouldn't be the case because Minnesota's offense, we can probably assume, is going to be reminiscent of what we saw two seasons ago. And their defense is nothing that you can trust, whereas Ohio State, we're expecting, of course, the high offense. But maybe this is going to be a ground game, and maybe that's how Ohio State really beats down this Minnesota defense. Stroud, of course, you know, this is his debut, and at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to want to lay two touchdowns on the road in his debut against the conference opponent, against the Minnesota team that personally I think could be more of a dark horse. So you could look toward the under, although you might have missed the best number. But more importantly, if you could get 14-and-a-half, I think taking it with Minnesota would be the right angle. At 13-and-a-half, I'd probably stay away and go with in-game. Danny, about a minute here, bud. Penn State, Wisconsin, minus five-and-a-half, Camp Randall. Man, this is going to be a fun one. And honestly, Schmitty, I feel like they set the number perfect here because I am higher on Wisconsin than I am Penn State. I took the Badgers over 9.5 with their win total. If anything, I'm laying the 5.5 with Wisconsin. Of course, it's not ideal. And, you know, I'm beating the dead horse, but you probably at some point could get a better number with the end game. But if I'm trusting anybody, I'm going to trust Graham Hurts over Sean Clifford. Clifford was a turnover machine last year. Yes, Mertz still has a lot to prove with those high expectations that we gained from him in those first couple of games last year. But I like Wisconsin at home in that opening game. Both defenses are going to be great. But at the end of the day, Wisconsin's offense will be the difference maker. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. Check him out. VEASAN Sports Network, Rush Hour, 6 to 7 weeknights at iHeartMedia or uh, can stream that on VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, enjoy your football, enjoy your holiday weekend. We'll talk next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, you bet, Schmitty. Appreciate you having me on, and hopefully the Huskers cop it up for us this weekend. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday. Don't forget at the Single Barrel Tomorrow Road Show Friday, 4 to 6, inside the graduate. Get yourself a big old thick steak. And then go relax in your hot tub. We say hi to Deb, the spa lady, the corn dog queen. Deb, how's the fair been treating you? Oh, it's been great. Those first couple days were pretty brutal. They mm. were very hot. But Sunday morning arose, and I mean, it cooled off, and it's been cooler every day since. And I think we're going to have nice, cool weather through the, the end of the fair, which is Labor Day. So come on out to Grand Island and check out the Nebraska State Fair. Deb, you have uh, a truckload of product out at the fair. You have all sorts and sizes and shapes of spas. And if it's too hot, you'll just turn the temp down. If it's chilly, you'll turn it up. You've got that ability. You do. And, and whatever the temperature, whatever the season, 
you can adjust it and use each one of these different spas that we sell year-round, and especially the swim spas. They have been a huge hit this state fair because people are realizing that they can use those when they have to close their pool. They can keep their swim spa going because it can be used year-round, 24-7. That the spa lady is out at the State Fair, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Now, Dad, did you, did you have a corn dog in the swim spa? I did not yet. That's this weekend. I had, uh, what was it, deep-fried cheese curds. Ooh. So fried cheese curds and maybe uh-huh. something to wash them down. Had a lemonade. Okay. Had a lemonade. Good answer. But you know, I could feel the the arteries clogging right there. I really could. So I might. I, I'm still going to have my corn dog. You've got to have a corn dog when you go to the fair. That's this next weekend. Well, the good thing about the swim spa is you can just work it off. Yeah, I just worked it off. You're right. Dad. They're gone now. Deb, a quick thought on on that fair pricing. Well, we have got great fair pricing. We say we've got the fairest prices at the fair. Well, we're out there at the fair. We're also at our stores, both here in Lincoln and in Omaha. So if you're not going to make it out there, come in and see us. Uh, we'll honor those same prices. And the, uh, the great thing is we have inventory. So we have been really planning for this state fair for months and months. And that made a big difference because the competitors don't have inventory. We do for re- really quick delivery. Deb, the hours folks can see you. 10, 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday at both of our stores. We'll be at our location at the Nebraska State Fair through Labor Day. All right. Deb, we will see you soon. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye. There she is, Deb, the spa lady out at the State Fair, Home Innovation Spas. A uh, quick reminder about your friends at Ferris Financial Group. Their goal is to educate, coach, and help you Work towards your investment goals, and they specialize in investment strategy, but can also help with budgeting, planning, and overall strategy. People through times in transition, whether it's a new job or a job change, and when it comes to those goals and dreams for retirement, Ferris Financial Group, there for you. Anywhere in between, they can help with your goals and get that money saved, get that money to make more money for you. Marcus Schmitz, who you contacted, 402-525-6824 or marcus.schmidt at p, make that lpl.com. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity.